0: There was, or there was not, in the oldness of time. A bad Julia, who was very ashamed of herself for being so very late in replying to her little sister. I am sorry, Beth. It must be over a month since I last wrote you, and I have stuck to my promise to never hop backwards or forwards in time in the service of our correspondence. This letter will be extra long. I have set aside all day, just to sit in the sun and write to you. I always feel warmest here, inside and outside, sat in the palestine sun. I love the heat shimmer and the black shadows on crumbling white brick, and the scent of spice in the hot air. At dusk the sun is blood red and gold, and under twinkling stars the horizon seems to reach forever in all directions. There is a poetry here in Balda al-Khadim, a history. A wisdom. I do sometimes wish I was better at small talk, Beth. There was a very charming young American lady in the street yesterday who bumped into me. And I think I liked her. And she wanted to spend the day with me, see the sights together. Two American women in a strange land. But but I wasn't in the mood for company. And I, I didn't really know what to say. And I could see she was disappointed in me. I think she was a bit lonely. I slouched back to the TARDIS in an ill mood, annoyed at myself for being so unsociable. The doctor said that the American woman was probably a spy, which annoyed me even more. There are CIA agents everywhere in the city, secret soldiers the doctor calls them. I can't be sure, but I think I am being watched by an agent right at this moment on the balcony of the house, across the street, and to my right. A tall man with fair hair. (laughs) I just looked directly up at him and flashed him a smile, which has sent him scurrying back into the shadows. In my last letter to you, I told you all about the invasion of New Mars, and I was hoping the TARDIS would take us next to somewhere peaceful and quiet, somewhere that could be considered almost dull in its ordinariness like a vague recollection of a rainy day. Beth, dearest, I got my wish for a rainy day, but that is all I was granted. again? Keep an open mind. You know I try, but see? It's all very grey and chilly and and wet. Hmm. The sky is grey, yes. But look at
1: it. That's a great wash of mournful grey across a first-class sky. As imposing and oppressive a sky as you could hope for. A sky out of a turner, in one of his slightly annoyed phases. There's a bit of a chill to the wind, yes, but feel it on your cheeks. That's a chill to come in from. Sit down by the fire, pat the dog, and spoon down some hot broth. And the drizzle. That's a classic drizzle. A wet Wednesday afternoon in England drizzle. Marks out of ten, I'm giving it seven, possibly even seven and a half. And that's just for the drizzle because drizzle is fast becoming my new favorite word.
0: (laughs) Doctor, as always, I can't fault your enthusiasm.
1: Glad to hear it, Jules. Sir, come on, let's go for a stroll. Or an
0: amble. Is this some kind of dead winter world on the outskirts of the universe? No, it's England in summer. (laughs) That's funny. But seriously, where are
1: we? No, really, it's England in May. It's just a particularly bad year for the weather. I imagine quite a few cricket matches have been cancelled. Are we back in 1975? A bit earlier, I think. It's got that pleasant 1950s tang to the air, but it's difficult to tell from the middle of a muddy field. We need to find civilization. Mm, doctor. Yes, I feel it too. What are you feeling? Just so they were on the same page.
0: I'm not sure what I'm feeling. (coughs) Unease? Alert, as if something has changed? Well, the birds have stopped singing. Yes, that's it.
1: How odd. There's no sounds of insects either, nor any other kind of life.
0: I couldn't hear any insects before.
1: I could. Uh, Watch a step there. You don't want to trot on this poor fellow. Ugh. It looks freshly dead. Might have been caught in
0: a poacher's trap. What do you think? Hmm. Well, it looks to me that it might have bled to death through its eyes. Poor little rabbit. What could have caused that?
1: The same thing that's keeping all the birds and insects away. Something down there at the end of the path. How's your headache?
0: How did you know I have a
1: headache? Jules. It's not too bad. It'll get worse the closer we get to it. It? Whatever it is. I don't want you to
0: suffer like poor bugs here. You could go back. That'll be okay. It's getting dark. We should hurry.
2: Sabah al-Khair.
0: Sabah al-Nur.
2: Mind if I...
0: I'm not comfortable with you joining me.
2: Relax. I'm a regular. They do great coffee here. What are you drinking? Uh, tea.
0: I'm going to have to ask you to
2: leave. Well, that ain't too neighborly. That a thing with you? Giving people the instant brush off. You did it yesterday with the agent. We got to bump into you on the street. She's still smarting from it. Tell you what's interesting. I just told you I'm a spy. You didn't even bat an eyelid.
0: I'm starstruck, and you do look like David Soul.
2: I've been told that.
0: I don't see how that can help in your profession.
2: You'd be surprised. At the very least, it got you talking.
0: What do you want?
2: That's an expansive question. Right now, I'll settle for you telling me where the box is. The box? The box. The big blue box? The TARDIS? What's your name? Okay. How about we do this another way? You are Julia Shahid. Born February 19th, 1943, Hebron, Palestine. Sister, Beth, 13 years old. Born New York City. Brother, Tamir Shahid. Born Palestine, February 19th, 1943. Killed September
0: 3rd, 1974.
2: That's enough. Touchy. Bored. Okay, skip to the headline. We got eyes on you, 24 hours. Where you go, what you do, we got it. That means, matter of time, we get the box.
0: Then why are you bothering me?
2: Because we're on a clock, and you could make it easier all around. Save a lot of time, manpower, money, etc., and so on. Tell me where the box is. You made a friend for life. And let me tell you, having the agency owe you, that's something you want. So?
0: So you should give up smoking. You'll live longer.
2: So they tell me. Where's the box?
0: I'm not telling you anything, and I'd like you to leave now. Please, I have a letter to write.
2: Okay, we'll meet again soon. Count on it.
1: Little Dorchester, three miles this way.
0: Little red symbol. That indicates a railway station, surely.
1: Yes, Little Dorchester, I think, is in Wessex? We're in the southwest. Oh, hold on, I might have a... Yes, Ordnance Survey Map of the southwest coast. Now
0: look, we're... here. If we follow the railway along the coast, it reaches... Oh, little Baisley by the sea. Sounds charming. Oh, so let's hurry the little Dorchester railway station.
1: Oh, I hope there's a shelter there. Some of them have shelters, yes. So, on the jolly side, we could take cover from the rain, fill in a crossword, and tuck into some salmon sandwiches. On the minor side, we don't have any salmon sandwiches, and whatever it is down there could kill us both. Your headache's getting worse, isn't it? It's just a headache. I'm not worried about your headache. Well, of course I'm worried about your headache. But I'm not too worried, because I'm more worried about your amnesia.
0: Amnesia? What are you talking about?
1: But, even more worrying, is the thing that's been following us. Wait,
0: you're losing me. Are you telling me that I'm suffering from some form of amnesia, and that someone's been following us? Yes.
1: and No. Yes, you have amnesia. No, not someone. Someones generally make sounds and signs. Footsteps, muddy footprints, shadows, personal ads in newspapers. Whatever it is that's been following us makes no sound and leaves no trace. Ergo, it's not someone, but something. Then how do you know we're being followed? Because it's decided to show itself. Look closely above the signpost. I can't see anything. It's raining. Look again. Really look this time. Your eyes will find it, but your mind needs to decode what it's seeing. But don't worry, it's made it easier
0: for you because it's come out of hiding and it wants to be seen. That's a lot of it. Is this a different it from the headache-inducing it, or is it... Ah, yes. I first saw it, glimpsed it, on the TARDIS scanner. It
1: was in the space-time vortex, and that's impossible, more or less. Just a vague shape, no indication of mass or density. No energy signal. The TARDIS couldn't understand what it was detecting. Poor thing almost whimpered and then went into a sulk. It just took on the shape of the TARDIS... I wonder what it wants. Don't you remember anything from the
0: first time you saw it? That was the first time I... Ah, amnesia. Yes. Hmm. Jules,
1: have you ever been hypnotized? No. Well, we could try it. But not while you have a headache. Doctor? Ford Anglia, by the sound of the engine. Lovely car. I had one for a while. Ooh,
0: obviously in a bit of a hurry. I think we better step out of the road. No one in here. Hmm. <laughs>
1: well, I'm not sitting on an invisible driver. You'd be amazed at how often that happens. Uh, No key in the ignition, but... Working perfectly. Steering seems fine. Mm, Lovely upholstery. Doctor. Doctor, I... A message, do you think? Is it trying to communicate with us, I wonder? To control of the car, push it towards us rather too forcibly. Doctor! Jules!
0: I think I'm going to be sick. remember when you fell off your bike in Central Park. You actually tumbled head over heels into a shrubbery. And the image of you lying there in a crumpled heap amid the red clover has stayed with me always, dear Beth. You were perfectly okay. You hadn't hit your head. You had a grazed knee and a dent in the back wheel guard, but you were dazed and shocked when you came around. You wanted to be sick, but it passed. I felt you trembling as I hugged you. <laughs> but five minutes later, you were a blur of dogwood leaves and giggles pedaling furiously towards West 77th Street. I must have passed out. When I woke up, I was trembling and shocked and dazed. And I felt ill.
1: Hello, Jules.
0: Hello. What happened?
1: Can you sit up?
0: Yes, I am fine. Besides a slight nausea. Jolly good. Have we moved? We don't seem to be where we were. The weather here is lovely, by the way. Thank
1: you. Uh, You're safe now. But technically, we haven't actually moved. Not in a geographical slash corporeal sense, at least. What do you mean?
0: Are we somewhere in the TARDIS? What makes you think that? It feels like the TARDIS in here. Pleasant and timeless. Tinged with excitement. That's very interesting. But
1: no, we're not in the TARDIS. We're in my mind.
0: Okay, that fits. Why are we in your
1: mind? It's nothing to worry about. Good. It's just that we're about to die. Not good. Do you have a plan? We're buying some time while I try to think of a way to get us out of a tricky spot. Uh,
0: We're hiding, you mean.
1: Sometimes a tactical retreat, or hiding as you put it, is the best way to confuse the enemy into thinking they've got the upper hand. Always do what they least expect. I'm sure I read that in Sun Tzu's The Art of
0: War. Or was it the rules for Kaplung? Can we get into the TARDIS? It also seems to be in your mind. The TARDIS
1: is always on my mind. But no, unfortunately, our bodies are still on the road to Little Dorchester Railway Station. And I suppose we'd better hurry up if we want to catch the train. What train? Good question, Jules. Very good question. That might be, in fact, the most important question we need to answer right now. Or rather, why did I suddenly feel a desperate compulsion to catch a particular train, the next train in fact, from Little Dorchester Station? And, by the way,
0: I now have a plan. Doctor, the TARDIS. What about it? The windows. Oh no. There's a face in the windows.
1: Then it's in here with us, in my mind. It followed us? It was always a possibility. We have to get out! Yes. Hold on, Drew. I'd tell you to buckle up, but seatbelts weren't fitted in British cars until the 60s. Oh, and sorry about the feathers. Uh, Feathers?
0: Doctor, you're hurt. Let me see.
1: Engine ticking along nicely,
0: but she only has a top speed of 40 miles per hour. Is it your foot? Doctor, it's twisted. Your ankle must be broken. I'll be okay.
1: Yes, always had a bit of trouble with that ankle. One of the little foibles of this body. The good news is the station is only three miles away. The bad news is that the thing that wants to kill us should very soon be escaping the trap. And since it's traveled the whole of space and time to get here, I very much doubt we can outrace it in a Fort Anglia.
0: You trapped it in your mind, didn't you?
1: Just a little echoing cobwebby commoner of my mind, one of the empty spaces. We'll know when it's escaped.
0: Stop the car. Now. Right over. I'm driving.
1: Don't forget to drive on the left.
0: Let me see your foot. It's
1: not too bad! Ah!
0: Doctor, it's a compound fracture. I can't take the boot off to treat it without making it worse. Hold still. I'll mop up the blood. How did it happen? When it attacked you, the psychic resonance
1: was making you bleed, almost like a stigmata. Like the pole rabbit back there, you would have bled to death. I extracted it, made myself the target, pulled you into my mind. My bones started breaking all over my body. That's how it affected me physically. Interesting sensation, but I wouldn't want to feel it again in a hurry. If you got to my skull Well whilst you were safely in my mind, I joined you as I let my body repair itself. That gave you time to recover too. All my bones seemed back to their best. Knee bone connected to the thigh-bone and what have you. Except, of course,
0: for my ankle. There's always one, isn't there? If it doesn't heal like the others, I'll have to put it in the cast. And that means getting you to a hospital. No time. We have a train to catch. The train you've been compelled to catch? At the station where you said there's probably something that can kill us very easily? Well, when you put it like that,
1: Doctor? I had to trap it somewhere. I spent a week discussing fish with penguins. It was a very long week.
0: There are feathers everywhere.
1: Yes, but remember, I did warn you. It really isn't my fault if you weren't paying attention. I mean honestly.
0: If the penguins have leaked from the mine trap,
1: it so has it. You'd better put your foot down, Drews. Super. There's an umbrella in the back seat. I love train stations. I'm thinking of getting one.
0: It stopped raining, at least.
1: Kitty, I was looking forward to using my new umbrella.
0: How is your ankle?
1: Fine. How's your headache? Fine. I was lying. I'm in considerable pain, and I'm just putting on a brave face.
0: Me too. I'll be alright. But it is getting worse.
1: Well, there's nobody here. Completely deserted! We must be near the source. I thought the source was the It we just escaped from. There might be another It somewhere in the station. They might travel in pairs, like policemen. Or Or Hang on a jiffy. I need a closer look. Yes. Hmm. Well, that shouldn't be there. See for yourself.
0: What am I looking at?
1: The tunnel. All right. What are those metal things? Yes, indeed. Those metal things look to me to be part of a hyperspatial interface. That's not what I expected from Little Dorchester Railway Station, I must say.
0: A hyperspatial interface? But it's old and rusting.
1: Well, it does tend to rain a lot around here. It's possible it's been here for decades and neglect or overuse has worn it out, but more likely it's old equipment that's been recently installed.
2: Is Is it alien?
1: No, I don't think so. This technology is in common use on Earth in the late 22nd century. There will likely be interfaces staggered all along this track. Probably at every station. And if they're in this sort of repair, no wonder there's been some nasty leakage.
0: This is the source of my headache. It's
1: likely, yes. The question is... A. Who put a hyperspatial interface here? B. Why? C. Where does it go? D. What's it all got to do with it? And five, where is our train?
0: I've looked through the other carriages. They're all empty. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're moving now. Yes. How odd. Doctor, where is everybody? Has there been a mass evacuation? Some kind of emergency?
1: No, I don't think so. There just aren't that many people in England using trains these days.
0: The war. Yes. Including
1: civilian casualties, the Blitz and what have you. There were nearly 500,000 British dead. And then there was the economic fallout. Industry was in tatters, unemployment was high, nobody had any money, and everybody wore hats to cheer themselves up.
0: Why run the trains if nobody's using them?
1: Oh, there are people using them, especially commuters, just not in any great number. And branch lines like this were never very busy at the best of times. But, the real reason the trains are still running is to send a message. It's business, as usual. The idea is to encourage people to start using them again regularly, to travel around the country, help the economy pick up. Things soon get better, and by the early sixties, England is positively booming.
0: Then I don't understand why you think this is odd.
1: There don't seem to be any railway staff, jewels, No porters, ticket collectors, or signalmen. Who blew that whistle? Who's changing the points on the track? Who's running things? And, most mysteriously of all, I glanced in the driver's cabin. Empty. This is a train without
0: a driver. I see. Yes, that is odd. But given this strange technology, Perhaps the train is being driven by a computer. Or or by remote at the other end of the track. Could you close the window, please? It's rather chilly. Chilly, yes. Appropriate,
1: don't you think, Jules? For a ghost train?
0: <laughs> now you're just being silly and dramatic. Sorry. Uh, look, there, on the back seats. Some passengers must have left their coats by mistake. Presumably they were in a hurry.
1: These coats are still warm, and this is a very nice hat.
3: What the hell? What a... I mean, you can't be here.
1: Hello. Mr. Wellcott, is it?
3: What? I... I... How... How do you know my name?
1: It's written on the inside brim of your hat, and on the first page of your journal, which must have accidentally slipped out of your coat pocket, along with your very fine
0: Webley service revolver.
3: I have a license for that. Hand it back.
0: No. You must excuse the Doctor for her rudeness in looking through your belongings.
3: Who are you? What are you doing here? Why have you taken my gun from me?
1: I'm the Doctor, and this is my very best friend Jules. We're simply enjoying a jolly little train ride through the splendid English countryside. And in my considerable experience, guns just tend to get in the way of things.
3: I, I don't understand.
0: Which bit? My name isn't Jules, as the doctor well knows. It's Julia Shahid.
1: Let's not quibble about the details.
3: You shouldn't be aboard this train. I think you've both made a mistake. You're clearly strangers, and you really shouldn't be here rifling through my things. Your lot are always getting above themselves.
0: Excuse me, my lot?
3: You know what I mean.
1: Oh yes, we know exactly what you mean. Thank you so much for insulting my best friend.
3: Doctor, it's okay. You have no right to be on this train. And besides it it's just not safe for you. You must get off.
0: Wilcott, what are you afraid of?
3: Look, I I must insist that you get off this train.
0: That's very rude of you, Mr. Wilcott. I don't think you have the right to insist anything of us.
3: I I mean, look, you're being impudent and I won't I won't stand for it. Do you hear? You seem to be
0: under a great deal of stress. Sit down, please. I'm a medical professional.
3: I can help you. You must listen. You must get off, do you hear? Are you stupid? You've got to do as I say.
0: Calm yourself, Wilcott.
3: Why aren't you listening? Who are you people?
0: I asked you to sit down.
1: Now. Please. Do as she says, Wilcott. It makes life easier for
0: everyone. Very well. Thank you.
3: Look, I'm sorry. This is difficult for me. You don't understand what's happening here.
0: Whatever is happening going into a panic won't help. I want you to try to relax a little.
3: Fine. If it helps get you people off this train, I'll try to relax. See?
0: Thank you. Relax your shoulders, Mr. Welcott, and focus on your breathing. That's good. Do you feel a bit better now, Mr. Welcott?
3: Yes, if you insist.
0: Now, I think the doctor's going to ask you something, and I don't want you to be alarmed. Doctor? Welcott, how
1: long have you been seeing ghosts?
0: I am on my fifth pot of tea, and the sun is low in the sky. Soon the first stars will be visible in the blue wash of sky above the scarlet ribbon of dusk as night falls over Palestine. I feel confident that I will be able to name every star in the sky now, thanks to the doctor, though, of course, only the ones I can see from Earth. I feel privileged to be able to write such a sentence. I am musing on fair hair, the CIA agent who looks like David Soule, and how he knows all about the TARDIS, all about the Doctor, all about me. It's possible that secret agencies across the globe have files on the Doctor and her friends, given how often the Doctor has intervened in our history. I, I, I don't like that idea. I, I don't like there being files on me in secret rooms. It, it makes me uncomfortable. When Fairhair started talking about you and our family, Beth, I felt a quick, hot rage, like a bullet wound. I don't like spies at all. They move like ghosts of the world, and I don't believe in ghosts. Leo is in the sky now, and Jupiter is low and bright.
1: Of course, they're not really ghosts. There aren't any real ghosts.
3: You don't know what you're talking about! I've seen them! Do you hear me? I've seen them! You've seen ghosts?
0: On this train?
3: You'll see. Oh, you'll see.
1: Yes, I flicked through your journal. You've been jumping on and off trains along this route for the past three weeks. Every train on every branch line calling at every station along the southwest coast. This particular service is the only train that has these Ghosts. I hope you noticed the air quotations there, Jules.
3: Yes! This train! They're on this train! Every day at 1640 hours.
1: That's seconds from now. Absolutely ages. We could play cards to pass the time. You sound
0: excited, Mr. Walcott.
1: Well, of course he's excited, Jules. He's on a 1950s ghost train that's been augmented with clapped-out 22nd-century hyperspace technology, headed to Little Beasley by the sea. Who wouldn't feel a quickening of the pulse?
3: Doctor. Right. It's time. It's 1640 hours. They're coming. It's time. Honk ghosts. The temperature seems to so have
0: dropped. I can see my breath.
3: they here. Oh, my. You see? You see them?
1: Oh, yes. Hello there. Hello.
3: They can't hear you. What are they? I'm not sure. They're ghosts. Soldiers from the war. Do you see? British soldiers. An infantry brigade garrisoned on the coast. My hand
0: passed right through one. They're not corporeal.
1: Welcott, do you recognize them? Are these the same ones you always see?
3: No, Doctor. They're always different men.
0: But it's always soldiers you see, Mr. Welcott.
3: Yes, from the war, you see? The ones who didn't make it, like... Like your son? Yes, my son, Joe. Corporal Joseph Welcott, 5th Infantry C Division. He might be here. Finally, he might be here. I have to check the other carriages. I have to find my son. We don't have much time, you see.
0: What do you mean?
3: The driver stops the train soon.
0: But there isn't a driver, Mr. Welcott.
3: I was speaking to him a few minutes ago. Now I must check the other carriages. My son will be here.
0: No, wait! Let him go, Jules. You look worried, Doctor. Come on. Where are we going? Mr. Welcott went the other way.
1: We're not following Welcott. He's harmless, mostly. But he said he'd just been speaking to the driver. To the driver. Right.
0: During the war, the trains were used as troop carriers. Mr. Welcott's been looking for the ghost of his dead son aboard this train, which was used over a decade ago to transport British troops who were ready for combat. Obviously they're not ghosts, obviously there's been some
1: time slippage, obviously connected to the hyperstitial technology. We might be about to time jump, by the way, so prepare yourself, Jules. Less obvious is the nature of the It that's been attacking us, what it wants, where it is. Even less obvious is why Wellcott carries a gun, you can't shoot ghosts, and least obvious of all is how he was just talking to a driver who doesn't exist. You did call it a ghost train. Yes, obviously I've been reading far too many M.R. James ghost stories. Ah, here we are, driver's cabin. Hello, driver, do you mind if I have a quick word? I'm the doctor and this is my friend, Julia-
2: Julia Shaheen, told you I'd be seeing you real soon.
0: Doctor? (laughs) Uh, Jules! Doctor Who, Widen Your Gaze, Chapter 1, The Ghost Train, was written by Vince Staden and featured K. Wu as the Doctor, Valina Cutler as Julia Shahid, and Joe J. Thomas as Welcott, with Justin Fife as Fairhair. Afternoon Tea Adventures' Doctor Who series is a free, not-for-profit fan production and is in no way associated with a British broadcasting company. It was created as a celebration of the series without intent to supersede or infringe on existing copyrights or intellectual property. Doctor Who, the TARDIS, and other registered sounds and concepts remain property of the BBC.